Hello, everyone, and welcome to season five of the show. Jessica Stevens here, your host of I Just Blank Now What the Podcast. Oh my goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, everybody, for listening in and helping me get to this milestone moment of our fifth season in episode 101. I cannot even begin to tell you how thrilled I am that the show is still going on and strong and growing and thriving, and it is all thanks to you, the wonderful listeners, who continue to show up each week to listen and share these awesome stories with other people. So I appreciate each and every single one of you so, so much. Here we are, season five, and we've got some changes. As I mentioned, in the end of season four, we're shaking things up, and I am having a co-host with me today, and I am so excited for this change on the show. As some of you may know... Recording solo episodes is literally the hardest thing for me ever because it's me talking with me in my closet all by myself and sometimes that's a little bit challenging. And you also know that I love a good conversation and dialogue and so I figured the best solution to my challenge of talking to myself is to talk to somebody else. And so I decided to bring on a handful of amazing humans this season to the show to be my co-host and interview me. (laughs) How fun is that? So I have some amazing girlfriends who are going to be joining me over the course of the next six months, and each of them play a very special role in my life. So today, my very first co-host is my dear friend Sherry Blades, and I chose Sherry as my first guest co-host because she is awesome and amazing, but she is also in the personal development coach and consultant. So, you know, we talk the same language and she has an extensive knowledge and experience in leadership, change, and organizational effectiveness. She thrives on building trusted relationships through meaningful conversations to effectively meet the needs and the concerns of her clients. So, you know, Sherry has got a list of amazing questions ready for me today that I'm going to be answering. And she is always thinking of ways to offer different perspective to help her clients move beyond self-limiting beliefs and to come to the best decisions to achieve their goals in life. As I said, she is a very, very thoughtful person. And I know that we're going to just have the best conversation. And like me, when she's not consulting, Sherry is a traveler that has a personal goal of going to one new country every single year, which is similar to me. We both love to travel. She enjoys concerts, and she is a diehard Toronto Raptors fan. She loves listening to audiobooks and, of course, podcasts. She was the one who introduced me to podcasts years ago and loves walking and is a big rum punch connoisseur. So without further ado, I want to head over and introduce you to one of my favorite people, the lovely Sherry Blades. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually, and in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out, sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories 
so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? Hey friend, did you just think to yourself, I just love this podcast, now what? Well, I hope you do, and if you did, I got the answer. Become a patron and support the show. For just a $5 financial gift a month, you can access episodes early and without ads. Plus, you'll be entered to win our monthly Patreon giveaway, like books and courses from our guests and some fun merch. For just a $10 a month contribution, you'll become an all-access patron and also get bonus exclusive content from me and some of our guests. Behind the scenes, Q&A, bonus questions, all of it. So head over to patreon.com backslash I just blank and now what? Or click on the link in the show notes and become a patron today. Well, hello, hello, beautiful Sherry. Hello, Jessica. Oh my God, I'm so excited to be sitting here virtually recording with you. This is like a dream come true for me. I know. I I'm actually really honored because this is like, a bit of a twist than what I was anticipating of our first time recording together. So yeah, well, we're we're definitely going to have you back as a guest, but today the lovely Sherry Blades is joining me as a co-host on the podcast. And I can probably say with some like truth is that Sherry is probably one of the very first subscribers to the show and has (laughs) listened to almost every single episode. I have. Yeah, I would say I am probably two or three episodes behind. I love going for walks to get caught up. So we'll be getting caught up very soon. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay, everybody. So here we are, season five of the show, which is kind of mind-blowing to me personally. Just take take a pause and just like give a round of applause for season five. That's actually phenomenal. I'm sure there's like, I've been listening to podcasts for like over 15 years. And I know that many podcasts don't make it beyond first season, let alone like first three, four episodes. So yeah, I think they say that the average podcast lasts six episodes. Yes. That sounds, that sounds right to me. Yeah. I have a lot of podcasts in my little podcast graveyard. So I'm so happy to be celebrating the opening of season five with you. Yes. Episode 101. Hey, 101. 101. And uh, we are, we're changing things up. So as you guys probably heard me share at the end of season four in the wrap up episode, we're doing something new this season. You got to change it up. You know, keep, you know, obviously the format of the whole show is still staying the same. It's still me and amazing guests coming on and sharing stories about life and the lessons that they taught us. But normally it would be a solo show with me to kick off each month. And this season, it's me and a friend. It's still going to be focused on me, but I've invited a wonderful friend on to interview me on my own show. How cool is that? Because I'm going to be really, really honest with everybody is like me sitting in my closet recording solo episodes all by myself was the hardest thing ever because you are talking to the abyss. I like, I talk to myself all the time. Yeah. Like when I have thoughts, 
but actually like out loud sound talking to myself for like a full 45 minutes, that was really, really hard. So I was like, oh gosh, how can I do this in an easier way that's more comfortable? And I had the genius idea of a conversation with a girlfriend. So we're going to have six of my friends on for the whole season from various stages of my life. Sometimes it's going to be a friend that I've known for a really long time. Sometimes it's going to be somebody I worked with somebody. Sometimes it's going to be a brand new person who knows me, you know, in the last few years versus like last few decades. So yeah, we're going to change it up this season and I'm really excited. And the first person on the top of the list was Sherry, who I wanted to come on and be my co-host because Sherry is an amazing speaker herself. She's a facilitator. She She's so eloquent in her words. And she and I have had some of the best girlfriend dinner conversations. I'm like, oh, let's just bring one of those meals and, and hit record. Yeah. Oh, I'm really excited. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, Sherry, can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself or share something that you want people to actually know about you? Obviously, you know, your, your bio has been, you know, shared with everybody, but what do you want people to know about you? Yeah. You know, I, thanks for asking my question, Jess. I think, you know, that question is a big one, right? Cause I think, you know, there's what you do and then it's like who you are. And, you know, at, at the core, I am a sister, a daughter, an auntie. I'm a partner. I love basketball. I am a Raptors fan from day one. And, you know, we have feelings about that. That's okay. I love to travel. I, I believe like the more that you see the world, that you just get to interact with interesting people and it expands the way you think about who you interact with, who you connect with, which is actually going to be connected to the topic that we're going to discuss today that Jessica had no, she's walked in blind, but yeah, I just think that, you know, for me as a person, it's really important to just as best we can live as authentically as we can. And, 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 and when we can't, and when we're challenged that we, get support through the people around us. And yeah, and just, you know, try to think in a positive way, but I will just admit like not toxically positive, but just like, you know, there are two sayings I love. There is grace for those who seek it and whatever we're challenged with this too shall pass. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I love it. I love it. And we are actually recording this podcast extremely early because Sherry is literally about to jump on a plane and fly off to the beautiful South Africa. So we had to move up the recording schedule so that we could have this interview before she goes on vacation. And so I'm so excited for that trip for you. Super jealous. Fun, fun little side story before we jump into to the main show today. Um, the hubs and I were supposed to go to South Africa for our honeymoon. Oh my goodness. And it didn't happen and it didn't happen. And we have yet to make it there. We also never actually had a honeymoon. (laughs) So yeah, a good friend of the hubs worked at South African airlines. Okay. And as our wedding present, she put us on her buddy list to be able to fly South African airlines at like the craziest level discount. Like we're talking like 90% off kind of discount. And so we were both on her list. And for that first year, we couldn't go because of all of our immigration stuff. 
like it just it was not in the cards for us just to pick up and go to South Africa. And so we were like, okay, we're going to wait till he gets here. And then when he gets here, then we're going to go. So she put us on for a second year. Mm-hmm. The hubs finally arrived in Canada. And uh, I had already planned the trip. The plan, the trip was planned. We literally just needed to know when he was arriving so that we could then like book the flights to leave before he started working. And I had some time off, you know, in a certain time of year. So it was all planned out. The hubs arrives, we're at the, you know, immigration thing. And the lady slides the paper underneath the glass towards him and says, you know, welcome to Canada. You're now a resident. She's like, the documents are no, are not valid for travel. You cannot leave the country until your actual physical residency card arrives in 10 to 12 weeks. No, 10 to 12 weeks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so there went South Africa. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and then that friend resigned from her job. She no longer works there. And so poof. So please like enjoy that trip. I'm going to like live vicariously through your adventures. Well, I hope that the vicarious living will be an opportunity for you and friends to have your eventual honeymoon yeah. in South Africa. It's a trip that came about pretty quickly. So I'm going to share all my adventures with you and be like, look, Jess, look what's yeah. over I know. Yeah. I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Okay. This is how this is working. I actually did not know the topic of conversation that we were going to have today up until moments before we hit record. So this is interview style. This is like fresh. <laughs> I have not prepared anything. I know nothing. Sherry's going to ask me some questions. She's an amazing facilitator. So I know these questions are on point, but this is going to be an opportunity for you to learn a little bit about me through this topic. Um, because that's the goal. And we're also going to learn about Sherry along the way, of course, too. But yeah, the focus is definitely going to be on my experience with this. And what are we talking about today, Sherry? We are talking about friendships, which I thought was really serendipitous as you were talking about how your your friends are going to come this season to have conversations with you. And mm-hmm. I gave just a few topics like you know, creating boundaries, setting goals, how to make friends as an adult, and just chose a a few of those. And then I was like, we should talk about friendships and um, especially making friendships as an adult, maintaining them, just the whole world of friendship in this phase of our lives. And I thought, Jess, I would just ask you a simple question that I don't know the answer to. Do you remember when or how we became friends? Or even how we met? The exact events? No. Yes. <laughs> because that era of our life is a blur. Yes. So, is. but the general how you and I met is you and I met through a very large group of friends in university. And fun fact is I did not go to the university in which this friend group was formed. I For was like time I just I swore that you went to school with us too until someone's like no she doesn't I'm like what she's always around like what is happening <laughs> isn't that hilarious I'm even in the head and yearbook at McMaster funny for first year even though I didn't go to the school oh wow and that's the year before I got there okay and I was in head as too well the fact that you know my residents yet did not actually attend that school is hilarious yeah so for all of you listeners I met the lovely Sherry Blades through a very large friend group that I joined through a friend whom I have known since the first grade she and I grew up 
together, elementary school. She even moved away to California, came back, our friendship maintained through high school. And then we went to separate universities. And I went to visit this friend at her university and just like got enveloped into this friend group that she had created through her roommates and a whole bunch of other people at McMaster. And I ended up going to visit her a number of times over university, like, you know, and which is crazy because I went to the University of Ottawa and McMaster is like literally on the other side of the province. So it wasn't like an easy trek by any stretch of the imagination. And yeah, that's how I was introduced to this big group of friends that we're all part of now still. And the craziest part is, is I'm closer to other people in this big friend group than I am through that original gateway friend. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting how that works, right? Because you're just like, this is the friend who kind of brought me into the circle and then other things have happened. I've experienced something similar. Fun fact about that friend who introduced you to this network that allowed you and I to become friends. One of the main reasons I even chose McMaster as a school was her then boyfriend had gone to high school with me and we ran into him during his breeding week. He was a year ahead of us and me and my best friend were making decisions about universities. We ran into him on campus and during our tour. And he's like, you have to come to McMaster. He was so cute. We were like, yes, we do. And we literally were just like, if he okay. said that McMaster's cool and there's lots of cool people, then we should, we should, that's attend. where I should be. Yeah. That's where yeah. I should be. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I love that. I love that. So yeah. So that's how I know you, uh, Sherry is through a big conglomerate of a friend group that we made in those fundamental years of university. Yeah. And I think like, if I think about, and Jess, I wonder, I'd be curious to know this about you, but I know that some of my most fundamental friendships were made in that period of time in my life attending university. And I'm just curious, this is not actually one of my written questions, but just curious, like when, is there a period of life for you where you feel like that was like, okay, this was when I was really making some of my core friendships. Do you have a period of life? I think I think, yeah, I think university time and age is definitely when some core friendships were made for me. Obviously, I'm still friends with you and a whole bunch of people from that era. So I would say yes. And I think I, I changed schools a lot. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I don't have a lot of friends from way, way back, like elementary school, or I, you know, I have a handful from high school because, because of reasons that a, I changed schools. I never went to not never, but like, I didn't go to the school that I could walk to Mm. in in elementary school. Like I, I started there, but then I changed schools. I went to French immersion. So I got bussed to a further school. And then after that, that was a very, very small class that I was in because it was like, I don't know, 15 people in the French immersion class. And then we all got fractured and all went to different high schools. So, and then when I got to high school, I changed high schools in my first year or two. So there was a little bit of a fracture there. So I didn't form like deep rooted friendships 
in those younger years. So I think by the time I got to university and I actually had like four plus years in one school, one spot, and I was at an age in which you're kind of like more in tune to who you are and the people that are like you want to hang out with and like versus, oh, they're in your class. And so that's who your friends are. Yeah. Because in elementary school, high school, you don't get to choose like what classes you like, what your classroom is for the whole year. Like you're just assigned a class and those are your people. Whereas later on in life in university, you're kind of like cultivating those friendships based on the things that you do, the interests that you have, and not necessarily the person who's sitting next to you being like, can I have your pen? Right. Yeah. I think, and it's, it's just like, it is the choice of friendships, right? Like I think I went to like a tiny high school in the burbs and just expanding the horizon of all the different types of people that you could meet was the thing that I think blew me away the most. I was very like, I, I, even though my little introverted heart was so like open to being like, oh, I think I'm going to be a little bit more social. And then we learned about, then I learned about, you know, the energy cost of that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's such a great environment to cultivate friendships that are designed and aligned to who you are. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. So like I said, we wanted to, I wanted to broadly talk about making friends as an adult, but I kind of wanted to get your, our, well, our friendship origin story, and then even just understanding how, what friendships look like for you. And, and you kind of answered the question I was going to ask about like what your journey was like to making and keeping friends growing up. But I guess if we like fast forward to having friends as an adult and even thinking about post university, right? What has that journey been like for you in terms of making friends, maintaining friendships? And, you know, dare I say, having to think about like, which friendships no longer serve either. Mm -hmm. Like, what has that journey been like for you post university? So similar to that whole school analogy of, you know, your, your, your forced friends because you're in the same class that also kind of environment created itself in, in work, right? Like when you graduate school and you go and you show up at your, you know, your first job, your, you, you need to make friends at work. Like you have to friends at work are essential for your survival, especially as women Mm -hmm. and, and a person of color too. Like you gotta, you gotta find your people in this space and create some allies. And so, and again, you're also spending a a lot of time at work. And so these are the people that you're spending most of your time with. And so I have found as an adult, my current friend group is the people that you're interacting with day in, day out and see each day. And you create a friendship with these people because of proximity, because Mm -hmm. of what the stage of life you're in, right. And, and what you're doing. So I created some really amazing bonds and friendships with people that I worked with. And I was also in a very creative industry, you know, working in advertising. And we, there was, there was a lot of parties. There was a lot of events. There was a lot of socializing within our industry, which helps kind of form those friendships outside of the office too. We literally did everything together. You know what I mean? And then 
and then somebody resigns Mm -hmm. and then they leave or you resign and you leave and you just repeat that whole process all over again at the new job with the new people. Because again, relationships at work are integral for survival. And so I, I would not necessarily ditch the friends that I had at the previous job. Like I would still be friends with them, but I'm not seeing them every day. We're not talking all the time. And there's only so many, so many hours in the day. So the focus at the beginning too, when you're trying to integrate into a new job is I need to form some work, new work friendships with these people. And so that's where a lot of time and energy for me personally went into is creating new friendships with these new people at this new job. Still carrying you know, a handful from the past job and like these, these still socialize outside of work. We're going to go to brunch. We're going to have dinner. We're going to catch up, but definitely not to the rate that we used to hang out for sure. And so over time, especially when you're changing jobs again, you know, in three years from time, you just, that pattern keeps repeating yourself. So you hold on to a few from each location, but then the core, you know, support team are the current people you're working with. Mm, yeah. So that was kind of my habit or my trait or my history of how I was creating adult friendships was through work. Yeah. I mean, and that's like the best venue. And to your point, like you're there more hours. You we sweat, we spend more hours at work than we do with our own families. So yeah. yes, you that's a natural place to make friendships. You like touched on something I found. There's like a couple of questions that triggered for me as you were sharing that journey of like understanding that friendships are key to your survival in the mm-hmm. workplace. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, we both come from West Indian households and, you know, I wasn't really taught about like my, my parents never had discussions with me about making friends in the workplace. Like it was very, like the work was to be taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember my first job, like I took work very seriously and I didn't did I make some friends? Yeah, I, but I wasn't, it wasn't actually a priority for me because of that broad friendship group that I had outside of work. I'm like, work is the place where you earn an income and mm-hmm. you work really hard and you focus on like what the next step is for you. And I remember like the first year or two of my first job, I didn't try to make friendships. What encouraged you to do that? And it was to my downfall. I eventually had to shift based on some like kind feedback from a supervisor, but mm-hmm. what allowed you to shift. So what allowed you to know, sorry, that like friendships were crucial. And then what do you think about yourself makes it made it easy, seemingly easy for you to make friends in the work environment? Oh, good question. What inspired me to make friends at work? I was there all the time. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I also worked, as I said, in a creative industry, which attracted some really fun people. Mm. Right. I like, yes, it was the corporate world in the sense of it was a big building. There was like hundreds of people and, you know, like all that stuff. But advertising is kind of like corporate adjacent where, you know, Mm. we were having fun. Like creatively, we had to like there was a pool table and foosball table and a bar in our office. So the environment also helps create those possibilities. Like if you're working in a cubicle zone, 
that's a whole different energy than working in a creative advertising agency where there's literally a bar with beer on tap. Okay. Every, every Friday is, or thirsty Thursday, there's like a, like a drink cart going around raising money for some charity and there's snacks and there's a, there's a pool table and the guys are playing foosball and music is blaring and whatever. It's kind of like a common room, like in the door. Yeah. It sounds awesome. awesome And and easier environment to definitely an easier environment. Great. Because literally there was furniture designed for it. There was a lounge, there was tables, there was like big communal places for us to all go and eat lunch. Mm. Right. So you, the environment created the, the opportunities to have conversations and get to know people outside of what is your job? What is it you're doing? Here's your to-do list and, and all of that stuff. So A, the environment really inspired us to do that. B, we were all the same age in terms of at a certain level in the, in, in, you know, in, in the hierarchy of advertising is like, you come in and you're a coordinator and you're all like fresh graduates and you're all in the trenches together, figuring shit out. Mm-hmm. And so you're all working late, doing work, helping each other. And so it was a camaraderie and, and a support system. Mm-hmm. Like you had to make friends at work because you, you needed help to do the thing that you needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And like actual teamwork. So actual friendship cultivation. Yeah. I was definitely in the cubicle zone. If anyone has ever seen the movie office space and like even the color of the cubicles in office space, I was like, wow, look, a documentary about my work experience. So yeah. yeah. And and even working in financial services, like it's not going to create engender the same thing. So it sounds like it was also an opportunity, your field and your industry, like helped to facilitate friendships, but then there's also you Jess as a person. So, yeah, I guess I'm just, I'm curious to know, like, what is it like, what, what are some of the things that you believe about yourself that has allowed you to seemingly make friends easy? And I put seemingly because, you know, you never know what person's going through. Yeah. You never know what a person's going through. And I, I, and, you know, I don't know about like the, the effort that it requires the intentionality that you're putting through into something that just seems really easy. Like anyone who gets to meet Jess in person, like you'll just like, oh, okay, cool. Like you just start talking and all of a sudden yeah. now it's like, oh, we have a new friend. Okay, great. But for you, Jess, I want to know like what makes it so easy. It's not easy to make friends, mm-hmm. but it's simple. Okay. I love that. I'm there is a distinction between something that's easy and something that's simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because Easy is all relative to the individual of how, but the steps to do it is fairly simple, but how, how much energy and effort it takes that individual person to do those, those simple steps is personal. So that's what I say. It's not easy for some people to make friends where it's very easy for others, but the steps to make friendships and create friendships are essentially the same across the board. Okay. And for me personally is, you know, when you, are are you a people pleaser, Sherry? I am reforming, reforming work in progress. Work in progress. Yeah. As, as am I. And so something about myself is I always wanted to make sure that I was liked. 
Mm. That people liked me. Yes. And so I would do things to create those scenarios and situations. And when people would be like, oh, Jessica, she's X, Y, and Z. She's wonderful. She's great. Because in, especially, I guess at work is you need favors. Yes. And so, and, and you need other people to help you do things and Mm -hmm. people only help people that they like. Yes. So I was always putting myself in creating situations where I could be liked. Mm -hmm. I would bring somebody a treat. I would have candy in my office. So when someone came to visit me, they were greeted with treats, mm-hmm. right? Or I needed a favor from accounting. I needed someone to cut me a check ASAP because that supplier was like, we needed to get this project moving and we couldn't do anything until the money, the money had exchanged hands. I went and made friends in accounting and I would mm-hmm. go down there and been like, hi, Julie, how's it going? And I would take them things. I would do things for them. I was helpful. I was like, how, what can I do to make this possible? You tell me, name it, name your price, my friend, I will make it happen. And so I, I did that, I guess, first as a mode of survival and as a way to progress in my career, but it became part of my personality and part of my brand of being a friendly, helpful individual that somebody liked who they would no problem have think twice about doing me a favor because I I needed a lot of things done and things that people definitely didn't want them to, didn't want to do it in the timeline that I needed to do it. And so that was just, I was just the nice, friendly, you know, bubbly girl who's, 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 who's going to say no to me. Right. (laughs) And I made friends in key places, the mail room. Like I made sure I went to that mail room. Hello, Mr. Freighter. How are you doing? He was a fellow Jamaican. So Mm -hmm. like, it was some, we had a little bond. He called me Miss Chung. Like, like, I'm like, Mr. Freighter, this is what I need. So-and-so. And And it, it just magically happened. It would just happen. And everyone's like, how, how Jessica, like he doesn't do that for anybody. I'm like, well, he does it for me. Yeah. Because I made friends. Mm-hmm. I, I asked about his life. How's it going? What like, th- like you people needed to know that you were just not a resource to them. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yes. In the behind the scenes, like I was, I needed to get something done and this is how I was getting it done but I polished that up and I sprinkled sugar on it. And I made sure that they knew that I genuinely actually really liked them and was interested in them and cared so that when those things actually have, had to happen, they, they just like, I just bad the eyes. I'm like, Mr. Freighter. And he's like, here you go. Yeah. Thank you. And that's, that's how I did it. That's awesome. And I think an under appreciated skill or an under nurtured skill potentially. Cause I think, I think it's just common sense to be nice and friendly. Mm-hmm. Obviously you and I've been in the work world for many years. So we have seen that people, a lot of people lack that common sense. Like I just have this saying about friendships at work and networks. I'm like, just don't be an ass. Cause like that just helps will yeah. serve you many years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wonder as you were sharing that about like how you cultivated these friendships, especially when there's an exchange at play, like, what do you think is like 
I think you kind of touched on it a bit earlier, but like, what do you think is that fine line between like curating, like trying to develop this friendship in this work environment, Mm -hmm. fine line between it feeling like genuine and then feeling like self-serving? Like, how do you, cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be self-serving. Like I want something, Absolutely. eventually they're going to want something. So there's an exchange happening. Yeah. But how, what's the, like, how do you like kind of manage that fine line to make it actually feel genuine, which is what I was hearing was your actual intention. You have to care like, like for real care, you can't fake care. Yeah. And, and how, you know, that you genuinely care is that you do it when it's, when you actually don't need anything. Mm. in in the in-between moments. So it's not like I was showing up to those people only when I needed help. I was showing up in the in-between when I didn't need anything. And I was showing up in the in-between when they needed me. Mm -hmm. And I got nothing, like I was, there was no no benefit to me in the moment for me doing the thing or or being nice or asking how somebody's day was. It's the in-between moments. Mm -hmm. So that when those, those, quote unquote, self-serving times come, it does, it's not painted with a brush of self-serving. It doesn't have that perfume of, I, I, I smell something here in the air. She's showing up only when, when, because that's the difference is I have friends and I'm going to use the air quotes for, for with friends is I only hear from them when they need something. Mm. I, I, there is a friend in my mind right now that that we've known each other for a very, very long time. And over the last, I guess, decade or so, I have noticed a pattern in which I hear from this person when they need something, mm-hmm. but I don't hear from them in the in-between. That's really interesting. Cause that talks to about like maintaining friendships. So what do you think is even just more broadly, like even outside of the work context, but like, what do you think are some of the things that has helped you maintain friendships as an adult because life lives, we know a lot. We have a lot of the same mutual friends. There's lots of children that Mm -hmm. just come in. So children shift friendships, marriages shift friendships. Like, so how, what do you think as we, you know, shift in our lives? Like, what do you think has been helpful for you to maintain your friendships? Understanding and appreciate where everybody, where where everyone is in life is key and acknowledging that those shifts in life are going to change the the dynamic of the friendship and the relationship and acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And then know that any, any, any kind of change in the friendship pattern is likely due to that and not something else. Yeah. Like when I don't hear from a whole a handful of my girlfriends for a long time, I don't get all antsy of like, oh my God, they, you know, where have they been? Whatever, whatever. They all have small children. Mm-hmm. I know where they are. Yes. I know. Right. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't necessarily get upset when a long stretch of time happens and I haven't heard from, you know, a certain person. Cause I know that they got go- stuff going on, but I also make sure that I verbalize and tell them like, Hey, just because I am not part of the mommy crew doesn't mean that I wouldn't appreciate or want to even just be asked, Hey, like, 
do you, is, is this of interest? Cause they, they, you know, that group, they all get together because all the kids are getting together and you're not invited, not because they don't want you there. It's because you don't have kids. And so they just kind of been like, Oh, Jess would not want to be part of this. Sherry probably does not want to be coming to this, this thing. And so I just made it sure I told them, I'm like, Hey, just invite me or ask me, do I want to participate in this child-focused event? And me as a child-free person will then decide, yes or no, I don't want to do it. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that that's really a, a, a good, remi- a gentle reminder for, especially for, because I'm also childless. So for friends, our mom friends, because I think what our mom friends fail to realize is that their little people are extensions of them. And, you know, I kind of want to get to know them. I have a really dear friend and we've been friends since high school. And I acknowledge that the times that we meet for dinner or brunch are really her free time away from her littles. But I also want like her littles to seem so interesting. I'm like, I kind of want, I'm like, so there's been a few times where I'm like, Hey, where's such and such? Like I've asked, like, is such and where's kiddo? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, she was like, no, she's like, this is like this my time. time. And I, so I've, I've also acknowledged that like, if I also want to get to know these littles, that it's, it's to go to them, but also just express, which I haven't done explicitly, I don't think, but yeah, express what you've shared, which is I, I don't mind coming and being yeah. around children. Not, I'm not I'm, coming I'm, to all I'm, of them by any stretch of the imagination. Like I'm not showing up to every single one of those birthday parties and every single whatever, yeah. but like every now and then, yeah, I want to show up. And for me also being child-free is their kids are like, I, I, I like being the auntie. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. I want, and I want to cultivate that role in their life. And so I need to see the kids in order to do that. <laughs> right. But I have friends who acknowledge that because I am child-free, they are very generous with me in terms of access to their kids. Mm-hmm. Oh. And because that's also important. Yes. And a lot of, you know, your, my adult friendships have shifted because you and I don't have kids and the other group, you know, do. So there is a, a little bit of an isolation there, but I just made sure that I verbalized to people being like, Hey, you know, you're going strawberry picking with the kids. I like strawberry. I like strawberries and I will happily make strawberry ice cream with those fresh strawberries for all of you afterwards. So mm-hmm. don't forget to invite me. I feel sorry for your podcast listeners. Cause they don't know the joys of your ice cream. So Jess makes a beautifully wonderful vanilla bean. I've enjoyed it. You'll have to make friends with Jess to get some. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and well, that, that there goes back to that original thing is like, how I could maintain and, and cultivate friendships as an adult is like, I give people what they like. Like mm-hmm. I, I know things about my friends. And mm-hmm. so I will randomly been like pop-up surprise. Here's, here's a little something. And I, you don't necessarily have to save it for like the birthdays and the holidays. Like I love give, giving gifts in the in-betweens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love acknowledging people in the in-betweens versus on the marks you know, this is when we show up for people. It's their birthday. It's the the holidays, whatever. But who are you as a person in this person's life on the average day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That speaks way more than the Christmas present or whatever. What about those friendships that, you know, 
what has your been experienced with friendships where you don't get to speak with them very regularly? So we've talked about like lapses and understanding people, mm-hmm. but some of the friendships I've appreciated most have been the friendships where I may not have talked to someone even for as long as like six months, maybe sometimes a year has gone by and we're just mm-hmm. like, I haven't actually spoken or seen each other, but you just like, you feel like no time has passed. Like what have those types of friendships meant to you? Those are the best. Yeah. Truly, right? Like those are the friendships where there is no expectation. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, and I, I don't, I have a lot of friendships like that because a lot of them are long distance. These are people whom I went to university with, and then now they live on the other side of the country or they live in a different country. And we, we don't talk often. We don't see each other often, but when we have those moments to be able to catch up, it's like, zero expectation. We're either, we've either transported ourselves back to who we were at the age of 20, whatever, when we were like attached to the hip and it's like, no time has passed. Or we acknowledge that we are very different people. Now our lives are completely different and we have conversations and appreciate the differences between us now and what's going on in that other person's life. And so it's, there's no expectation is like, how come I don't know that about you? Like I used to know everything about you. And I'm just hearing now, six months later that this, this thing happened to you. I don't hold any, like, like, I thought I was more important to you than that. So I wish I had, you had told me that a long time ago. You have to let that go. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that your, your ranking in somebody's life as a friend just because it might be on a sliding scale in that season that you're in doesn't devalue you as a friend, right? Like, and this is something that I had to work on really hard, especially when it was going, transitioning from people who you were seeing all the time, you knew everything about, like, like literally there was like multiple daily check-ins, like everyone knew everyone's movements. Like if you didn't know something, you could just ask the next friend, about that other person and they would have the full rundown of like, oh, this is where she is. This is what she's doing, blah, 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 blah. It was like, we were all each other's personal assistants. We yeah. knew everything. And then to move to a situation where you find something out and it's been like months since that happened or whatever. And you're like, how am I on the out now? And I don't know that, that you got to let that go. Just because you were not the first phone call or you didn't get the immediate text to be on the announcement of Mm -hmm. that, that news. It's just because in that moment, these other people were on the, the, the text blast and you were not included in it for whatever the reason doesn't devalue your relationship and friendship with that person. Yeah. I think that's like a really important thing to kind of internalize Cause it, it requires, cause that's actually more about you and not about your friend, right? Like mm-hmm. your friend is a person experiencing life and doing things. And it's not that they're thinking about you particularly in that moment, but it just means that, you know, things happen. And, and to your point, it doesn't devalue you as their friend. They're like, no, like that's my girl. Like we've been friends for forever. Mm-hmm. But to your point, there's a group of people that are also caring for your friend in a way that they just have maybe closer proximity. And it's acknowledging that those friends are just as important as you yeah, are. Exactly. That, that was, that's a personal experience for me, you know, when going through all of my fertility stuff and whatever, there was like 
a core group of people who were my people during that time. And I had another friend who wasn't part of that core team, obviously still a really, really good friend had been like kind of the next, next wrong out. But yeah. like, you know, if you think about it in like circles, yes. you know, she was like kind of in the next wider circle out and you know me, I'm, I am a pretty much on social media constantly often, you know, for, for me, for me and my business and whatever. And I shared something on social before personally telling this person who was kind of like on this outer wider band about this specific situation. And she reached out to me and told me how hurt she was that Mm -hmm. she wasn't personally told Mm -hmm. this news before it was shared out, out like wider or like, that's how, that's how she found out. And I, she didn't get a personal like blow by blow from me. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that that was an expectation of yours. Yeah. Or a requirement of our friendship that I, I tell you all of those things mm-hmm. first and foremost and firsthand, you know what I mean? Like, okay. So it goes both ways. And then same thing. I, I learned about a friend's pregnancy, like literally a month before she gave birth. I'm like, I'm sorry, what now? Like you're pregnant. Yes. And about and to deliver. literally about to deliver. And I'm like, she didn't personally tell me, but I also didn't hear from any of the other friends either. I'm like, am I so far removed from this universe of what's going on that no one thought to maybe drop a hint? Like, Hey, by the way, Jess, so-and-so's prayers, mm-hmm. right? Often I know that sometimes people are sh- trying to shelter me from the, that news because mm-hmm. of my past. But I, again, I had to go to everybody and then like, do not hide me from that news. Yeah. that That's not helping me whatsoever. Because mm-hmm. guess what? The baby's coming. I'm yes. going to find out about the baby eventually. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, just tell me. Yeah. Then I can start dealing with that. So, it, it's on both sides. Like you're like, how, how did I not know any of that information? So I've been on the receiving end of that and on the giving end of that information share within our friend circle. And it's a hard place to navigate for sure. That's so interesting. Cause I'm, I'm thinking about people who are challenged with friendships, right. Where friendships, like, like I, like I said, seemingly easy what you've revealed to us is not easy it's simple mm-hmm. but there's still people who are challenged with you know the things that are required to be a friend which I'm just gonna like recap the things I've heard from you which is being intentional in the in-between you know being willing to offer whatever you have to your friend at that time not just when they need it but when just because sometimes just because mm-hmm being open, a willingness to support. And then also just, you know, just understanding that there can be sometimes friendships without expectation, right? That we can go six months and we, just because we haven't spoken to each other in six months does not mean our friendship no longer exists. It's Mm -hmm. just, we have that kind of friendship. And acknowledge that it's going to take a a little while to warm that friendship back up. Yeah. Right. Like because if, a, if a long period of time happens between communication in between friends and it's not the kind of friendship where you're like snapped instantly back into history of, of where you were, but you're now like functioning as who you are today. Mm-hmm. It takes a minute to warm up. 
because that person is somewhat now an acquaintance because you don't know what's going on. So you also have to remember that your past friends or friends who used to be friends Mm -hmm. are going to maybe drift into the acquaintance category of your life. And that's okay. And it just takes a few interactions again to warm that friendship back up and you'll be right back where you were a lot faster. Right. But you do need kind of like that warm up phase of like, okay, we need to kind of get through some of this awkward, how are you, how's kind of questions before you get to the juicy stuff and you're back in that like friend zone, you're, Mm -hmm. you're going to be in an acquaintance space for a minute and, and that's okay. What do you say to the person who finds it difficult either to make friends or maintain friendships? And I have an example in my mind of, a, of someone that I know who is challenged when it comes to friendships mm-hmm. and my observation, not feedback. Cause I, I don't know that I, I feel comfortable um, given my rung of circles with this, with this person, mm-hmm. I feel like way on the third acquaintance ring circle, but I, I, I recognize I've observed that for them, friendship is quite performative, meaning that friendship is showing up to the birthday brunch. Friendship is going to the outdoor festival together. You know, it's, it's these friendship is an, is an accumulation of experiences and time spent together, which is important, Mm -hmm. but I sense that they're kind of missing like the essence of friendship, which can be long lapses of not speaking or lots of time just in each other's space. And then you just kind of part ways. So for, for those people who may be challenged with friendships, maintaining, making, like, what would you say to someone who's kind of challenged in that making friends, especially as adults? Yeah. That person needs to make a decision for themselves. And every person is in different is what is going to bring more value to them is do they need a small core group of people that is not overly like there's not a, a lot of there's not a lot of volume there it's like a handful of people that they can then dedicate their friendship time to cultivating relationships with these people okay mm-hmm. and having deep meaningful really impactful friendships or do they, or do they shift to the, I'm going to have a more larger network of friends mm-hmm. that I spend a little time with each of them. So there's not a lot of requirement to maintain each individual friendship. So I can give like a little, little here, little here, whatever. And it's, stretched out over, over the year and whatever, and have a wider net, but less intense friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if that person can't go deep and wide, like some people can have really meaningful, deep relationships with a lot of people that it takes a lot of energy. Oh. takes a lot of time, like takes a lot of effort. Like that's a full-time job right there, right? Um, if they're not in the position to be able to do that, well, then they either need to decide, are we going to go deep with two or three people or are you going to go wide with a dozen? Because mm-hmm. then they'll just know. 
Yeah. This is, this is, this is how they're showing up equally across the board and know how they're showing up for these people and what those interactions are going to be. And it's, it's a lot easier made to maintain. Yeah. That sounds like, like kind of doing like the self-evaluation of self about how you interact with these people that you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a personal thing. That's what I said. Like they, they need to decide for themselves. How, how do I want to show up as a friend? Do I want to have like three or four bet like BFFs and like go deep or am I good to have a wider, wider group? And I know enough, like it's not acquaintance level, but they're friends, but it's, it's not like deepest, darkest secrets kind of friend or, and you're showing up for them in ways that you are capable of showing up Mm -hmm. yeah, and being okay with that. And then there is also no expectation of here's, here's where friendships get challenging is when one person has an expectation of a deep, meaningful, you're my best friend. And the other person is showing up of you're my third wrong medium person. Yes. That's so where then, the disconnect happens. Then what do we do? Cause like, I feel like I have been, I haven't had many like friendship conflict confrontations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've let friendships ebb and flow. Like to your point, like I've had like one of my high school friends, like super close. We even went a couple years without talking, but it wasn't because of disagreement. It was just life, life thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And more recently we've become really close again. It almost feels like we're back in high school, which is kind of nice, but yeah. Then like, what do you do when you're like, I want deep friendship with you, Jessica. And Jessica's like Sherry's third wrong friendship. Like she's on the third acquaintance ring, but she's going to get invited to the barbecue. But like, I'm not telling, I'm not calling I'm not her. Text her. Yeah. 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 Like, how do you, what do you do? Communication. It's kind of, you have to have a conversation. You have to have like, it's kind of like when you're dating somebody, someone who wants to get really, really serious. And the other person's like, I'm cool with us just hanging out every now and then. Yes. Like, what do you mean? You don't want to move in? It's the same thing. It just happens to be with somebody who you're not romantically involved with. And you're like, Hey, like, you know, you kind of say, do you want to be my best friend? Yeah. Do you want to have that level of friendship? And what's the definition of best friend for you? As you said that, I instantly got goosebumps because I'm actually realizing how much more terrified I am to have that conversation with friends. I'm not suggesting that I even need to be having that conversation anytime soon. But just as you were saying that, I was like, I like having that conversation in a dating context is while uncomfortable, much easier than doing it in a friendship context. Because there's so much more at risk in a friendship. Yeah. And I know that might sound very counterintuitive. Like, what do you mean? Like a romantic relationship? There's so much more at risk. No, because as I said at the very beginning of this, of this, this episode is like friendships are essential for survival. And so the thought of losing a friend over a conflict, a disagreement, or different priorities at the time scares the bejesus out of people because they're like, I'd rather just maintain this awkward friendship that we have where we're both unsure as to what we're both getting or giving into it than to find out that we're not compatible at all. And then I'm going to lose this friend altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's so much, you've invested so much time and, and it, and having this person in your life is important to you. You also are like, okay, I'll just 
that then the other side of the equation is like, I'll just take scraps, like whatever this person can give me, I'll take. But mm-hmm. that's not healthy either. You also have to be a reciprocal party of like, hey, I'm giving so much into this friendship and I'm only, and they're only bringing, you know, a, hey, how you doing to the table. That's mm-hmm. where conflict shows up too, is when one person's putting more time and energy into the, building the relationship and the other person isn't. Yeah. So this is the problem that I have personally with the, the, the notion of best friends. Yes. I don't know about you for Sherry, but I hate the idea of a best friend because of this exact thing. If somebody is my best friend, they're like my person. It, mm-hmm. If you watch Grey's Anatomy, you know what that means. Yes. Like, but to them, they have somebody else who is their person and to your relationship, your third wrong. Because that shouldn't like, like true best friend relationship is when it's, you're my best friend and I'm your best friend. And we've made that decision that we are both each other's person. Mm -hmm. But for some people, it's really hard when they've identified somebody else as that's their person, that's their best friend. That's who they go to with all of their things and blah, 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 blah. But that person is like, actually my bet, my best friend is Betty Sue over here. Yeah. Because that she's my person that I go to. I do a lot of stuff with you, but she and, and we have a great friendship, but you're not my person. That's where the big conflict comes in. There's funny that you mentioned that. I met, I was scrolling on Instagram as one does. And I saw this funny meme or funny TikTok of this person. And they're like looking really, they're dancing at their best friend's wedding. And they're looking very disgruntled because they're like, they just heard their best friends called their husbands, their best friends in their wedding speech. And they're just like, oh my gosh, like what is happening? Yeah. He's um, your best friend now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so me personally now at the age of 40 plus, I am my own best friend and I have several amazing, wonderful friendships with other people, but none of them I have will ever label as my best friend ever again. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Because as I said, the relationships it's like an elevator, like depending on what's going on in our lives, they're, they're, they're deep in the core. They're on the task force of, you know, they're getting the text messages every four hours or they're now moved to an acquaintance. So putting a label of best friend on somebody is unfair because life changes and they can't maintain, they can't stay best forever. Someone else is going to come into that slot for whatever the season or the reason or whatever. So I now adopt a, I am my own best friend. I'm going to show up for me. I'm, I'm the only human who will be with me for the rest of my life. Then I'm never going to pick up and move away from me. Cause I've had that too. I've had a girlfriend who I'm like, oh my God, she's, she, she's my person. And then she picked up and moved and I was, I was crushed. We still have a great relationship, but she's not my like here person. Mm-hmm. And, and so the nature of our relationship has changed, but that, that was the trigger for me. I'm like, oh my gosh. People move, people leave, people like leave your life. I got married in my thirties and I only speak to one of my four bridesmaids. Mm. So, you know, getting married in your thirties, you think that those are your people. Like those are your ride and dies. They're going to be around forever because you've gotten to your thirties with them, but no life changed. And so I realized like, okay, like, I'm my best friend and I'm going to have a lot of other amazing, wonderful people in, in, in different friendships who are going to serve me in different ways. This friendship group serves me in my immediate 
like physical, let's go to brunch, let's do all the things together kind of friendships. And then another group is like, this is my, you know, when my hair is on fire and I'm, and I'm talking crazy, they talk me off the ledge kind of friends. Mm-hmm. And then I have these travel buddies who are like, moments notice, let's go. Like you have friendships that serve different purposes in your life too. And you, it's a really big mistake to expect all of your friends to serve you in all of those different categories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully that made sense. It does. I, I'm, I'm reflecting. I remember like, this is a podcast. So you can't really reflect, probably share. Actually, what the, what you're actually, I know that we're, we're coming to a close. So what I will want to ask you is just two more questions. One, you talked about that you are your own best friend. So I'm curious as to what you do, Jessica, to build up and maintain your own friendship with yourself. Like, what do you do to take care of yourself as your own friend is your own best friend? That means I show up for me the same way I would show up for what we call a quote unquote best friend. They're Mm -hmm. in need. I show up for them and they help them do that thing. They got a crisis (laughs) going on. I'm the therapist, right? Or they need something fun. I I provide the front. I bring the party, right? If somebody's in a mood and they're like, I just need, I just need to go dancing and whatever. I'm like, let's do it. Right. I'm that person of what is it that I need? I I become that person who I need me to be. Mm -hmm. I'm having a mood, crank the music. It's a dance party in my office to change my mood state. I I'm like, I need a whatever it's I'm, I'm in the car. We're going to the salon. I'm getting the pedicure, right? Like, so I just do the things for myself that I would a hundred percent show up and do for, for you. Like if I got a text message from you being like, Jess, SOS, like moving crisis. No, 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 no. I'm like, I got you, Sherry. So I just, I kind of just show up for myself the way I would a friend Mm -hmm. because we wouldn't, we, we treat them like gold. We prioritize them. We, we drop everything. When a call, a friend, a friend calls you, you, sometimes you drop everything, even though that thing is valuable and breakable. And you're like, I should not have dropped that. That was really important to me, but I'm showing up for this friend because they asked me. Well, then I just ask myself to show up for me that same way. I love that. And I would imagine that's also difficult to do. Oh yeah. It's kind of like me saying at the beginning of the show, it's really hard for me to talk to myself. I enjoy, I need that other person to, you know, play ping pong with and, and have a conversation with, but sometimes you really do need to look in and be alone with you. The, what I, what I did learn about this exercise is I did not need to be around other people as much anymore. Mm-hmm. I was getting better at enjoying my own company. Yes. I think that, that if we can, if that's one thing we can do and maybe like, you know, the pandemic helped people to realize like how much they could potentially enjoy their own company. I think it's, it's critical to kind of find that comfort in yourself. Cause you know, sometimes what happens is, you know, we're just like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. Or like, I just, I just need a change or whatever. I'm going to go to Istanbul and hang out and like, just experience new things. Cause I need to change. And it just always reminds me of that saying, which is wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. So you are with, as you said, you are with you a hundred percent of the time. There will never be a moment when you're not with you. So why not take the time to take care of yourself as you would anyone 
that you call a friend. Yeah. Yes. If you become your own best friend, guess what? You become a much better friend to other people. And that's what I learned in that exercise is I was able to show up for other people in a very different way. Once I became my own best friend, because there was no more expectations on other relationships and I could enjoy and appreciate the the friends that I had and, and however they were showing up, whatever they were going through, it was completely okay. I I was taking them as they were because that's all that was necessary in that moment was to create the friendship in that moment was to appreciate them as they were. And there was no expectation of changing them or judging how they were showing up for me. Like it didn't matter because I was my own best friend at that point. I was full. And now I was just pouring out all of this extra friendship love into all these other people. And it made the friendship so much better. Yes. Because you're able to fill your own self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Jess, I don't think that there's anywhere else we should end, but to talk about ourselves as friends. So I, you've given me a lot to even reflect on for myself. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you for inviting me to have this conversation with you. This has been awesome. Thank you for being my amazing co-host and coming on the show. And we are going to have you back on as like an actual guest. And we're going to hear more about Sherry in, in the, in the near future, maybe not this season, but maybe next. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you everybody. So what did you think? Was that a really great episode? Do you like this new format? It's one episode in, but I'm loving it already. So thanks everybody. If this episode resonated with you, please give it a like, a share. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you know somebody who is going through something similar in terms of figuring out how to become a better friend to themselves and to other people, or to create new friendships and relationships as adults, please, please, please share this episode with them because it may just help them figure out their very own. Now what? All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.